you turn to Colossians chapter 1. Colossians chapter 1 verses 1 to 8 and verse 27. Colossians chapter 1 verses 1 to 8 and verse 27. Christ the hope of glory or hope the spring of faith and love. Now on the brochures after all, uh, there is the word hope uh, that is missing there. Christ, the hope of glory, or hope, the spring of faith and love. Colossians chapter 1, verse 1 to 8. Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God, and Timothy, our brother, the saints and faithful brothers in Christ at Colossae, grace to you and peace from God our Father. We always thank God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, when we pray for you, since we heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and of the love that you have for all the saints because of the hope laid up for you in heaven. Of this you have heard before in the word of truth, the gospel, which has, which has come to you, as indeed in the whole world it is bearing fruit and increasing, as it also does among you, since the day you heard it and understood the grace of God in truth, just as you learned it from Epaphras, a beloved fellow servant, the faithful minister of Christ, on your behalf, and has made known to you, to us, your love in the Spirit. Verse 27. To them God chose to make known how great among the Gentiles are the riches of the glory of this mystery, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. Let's pray. Father, we are grateful to you for this day. We are grateful that you are God that has given us breath. We thank you particularly as we reflect on the aspect, the truth that Christ was born. And because he was born, hope was revitalized hope to faith, hope to love, and that this one who is and was born is the hope of glory. Uh, truly, as we reflect on the birth of Christ, we can anticipate uh, that beauty and excellency, the consummation when he does come the second time. So we have a foretest is a prayer during this period that this hope, as the Apostle Paul tells us in Romans, does not disappoint us. So we ask that you bless our reflections on this passage, particularly hope in the context of reflecting on the birth of Christ Jesus and what this did to the Jews and the Gentiles that believed in him. 
give us this hope. Grant us this faith. May we have this love as we place our hope in Christ himself. We ask in his name. Amen. Hope is an important subject matter. Hope is something we reflect on and on own again many times. Romans preached many times, Colossians many times. Hope in the context of his return the second time. Hope when we are afflicted. Like us to focus on hope so it's not necessarily the Apostle Paul's thrust, but hope, this which brings about faith and love, hope in the person of Jesus Christ, particularly as we are reminding ourselves of the fact that he was born. The fact that he was born. Now as you read the scriptures, we will notice that before his birth and the years leading to his birth were years to a great extent of much hopelessness, of much despair, that Israel is still under the Roman rule. Israel is looking and longing that a liberator will come. That this son of David, the Messiah, must come. And he must come to set us free. So that as you come to Acts chapter 1, there is even a sense of disappointment when he talks about the Holy Spirit coming. They raise the subject. Are you therefore during this time going to restore uh, the e Jewish kingdom, the nation of Israel? Are you going to do it now? As far as they are concerned, it's a delayed restoration. So the one is talking about the Holy Spirit coming, the most anticipated, desired reality must be done. But notice that that hope was also a hope they wrestled with even when he was among them. That when he is understood to be delaying to taking up messiahship or kingship, they want to make him king before his time. And so he must elude them. He must run away from that premature, so to speak, of being a king. So it's a time when Israel is in the diaspora, Israel is under Roman government, Israel is becoming restless, and the coming of the Messiah raises hope. So that when the Apostle Paul writes to the Colossians, he is not only writing to them as Gentiles, but he's writing as a Jew. There is an understanding of hope as he speaks as a Jewish apostle, but an apostle to the Gentiles, and that Jewish understanding is also true, and that's what is being raised 
in our passage. So we read in those verses from verse 3, we always thank God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, when we pray for you, since we heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and of the love that you have for all the saints, because, that's why I'm getting the second, if you choose, of one of the titles, Hope, the spring of faith and love. That it tells us in verse 4, we have heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and of the love that you have for all the saints. This is because of the hope laid up for you in heaven. That hope laid up for you in heaven is personalized, is objectified, and that is in 27, to them God chose. To them God chose to make known how great among the Gentiles are the riches of the glory of this mystery, and this hope of glory is Christ in you. As you read those verses, please understand, particularly in the Jewish mind, the birth was a looked forward to opportunity, was a looked forward to time, because that which they were anticipating, that which they were hoping for, that which they longed that God would do is finally coming. The Apostle Paul writes to the Colossians, Christ has been born, he's died, he's gone back to heaven. And in a sense he's saying that hope, that hope is still not realized. That hope we anticipated at his birth that which we looked to when he was among us, when he died, went back, that is still kept, that is still retained. Coming to the text, you notice the focus of Paul in this text is the fundamental significance of hope. It is the fundamental significance of hope. The Apostle Paul is saying hope underlines our very existence Without it, we'll have no faith stirred, we'll have no love stirred for one another. Hope is fundamental to us as God's children. Colossians, please do understand. But as you read the letter to the Colossians, you will know that it's a time and a context in which mysticism, all kinds of practices that are anti this hope, is prevalent, that people are finding something else, that there is a teaching that is saying no, that there is another basis of your hope and it is mystical. All it is in some form of Jewish teaching, either to do with angels, to do with some process of acquiring this realization of your steadfastness. In that context, the Apostle Paul wants to make it clear that what is fundamental in this context is hope, but hope in a person. 
hope that is kept for us in heaven. That's the focus of the Apostle Paul in the context. So you notice that when he finishes discussing this issue of hope, is going to take us to the preeminence, the supremacy of Christ. That our reason for this hope is best in the one that is supreme. Paul argues in this text that the source, the spring, the basis of faith and love is hope. Now elsewhere, the Apostle Paul argues that the foundation of hope is faith. The reason we have hope is because of what we believe and in who we believe. But in this text, he is arguing that the source, the spring, and the basis of faith and love for one another is hope. Look at verse 3 to verse 5. We always thank God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, when we pray for you since we heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and of the love that you have for all the saints because of the hope. This faith, your faith in Christ, this love for all the saints is because of the hope laid up for you in heaven. That is the basis, that is the source, that is the anchor of your faith and your love. This kind of argument of hope as the foundation of faith is what Paul uses in Titus chapter 1. Please turn to Titus chapter 1. Notice the argument from there as well. Titus and chapter 1, verses 1 and 2. That is not only doing this in Colossians, he does this also in Titus. And again, my argument is that in the context of the Colossians, but for us in the context of celebrating his birth, the only reason we have hope is because he is born. Chapter 1, verse 1 and 2. Paul, a servant of God, an apostle of Jesus Christ, for the sake of the faith of God's elect and their knowledge of the truth, which accords with godliness in hope of eternal life, which God, who never lies, promised before the ages began and at the proper time manifested in his word through the preaching with which I have been entrusted by the command of our Savior. For the sake of the faith of God's elect and their knowledge of the truth which accord with godliness in hope of eternal life. Hope, therefore, in God, in God, as the details of Colossians 1 verse 5 will demonstrate, should influence the conduct of believers, as the Colossians exemplified it by manifesting faith in God and love for the saints. And for us, the reminder, the reminder that which the Jews anticipated, Christ was born. There is a sense in which hope was fulfilled the hope we're looking for is a hope of glorification. 
hope of looking to his being born, the hope that must influence our conduct, the hope that must make us anchored even in our faith the more, is a hope that was realized in the birth of our Savior, and all we're looking for is a hope of consummation. And so in reflecting on those verses, we must ask the question, what is this hope? Which is a spring of faith and love as given to us by the Apostle Paul. What is this hope? Which is a spring of faith and love as given to us by the Apostle Paul. A hope that defines how we behave even in the context of adversity. Generally in Paul's writing, hope is not primarily a subjective sentiment of optimism. Generally in Paul's writing, hope is not primarily a subjective sentiment of optimism. It is not simply to wish or desire that something may happen, we hope for good weather. It's not the sense in which the Apostle Paul uses hope by and large. With Paul, hope is objective truth. It's objective reality. It is hope in the message of the gospel and hope in the person of the gospel. It is hope in the one that was born. And it is hope in the one that is coming and in the one that is seated on the right hand of God. It is not hope in some event that is not certain to happen. It is hope in what is objectively true. It is hope in a real person of a peculiar and unique standing in relation to all creation and all the created. And that's the one he points us to in verse 27. To them God chose to make known how great among the Gentiles are the riches of the glory of this mystery, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. But notice in verse 5, this hope is also the message. This hope is also the message. But beginning at verse 3 again, we always thank God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, when we pray for you, since we heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and of the love that you have for all the saints because of the hope laid up for you in heaven, of this hope you have heard before in the word of the truth, the gospel. This hope is in the word of truth. This hope is in the gospel. And that's what he then continues to comment on in verse 6. Which has come to you as indeed in the whole world it is bearing fruit and increasing as it also does among you since the days you heard it and understood the grace of God in truth. 
As you read Colossians chapter 1 verse 5 and 27, this hope is in the message of the gospel and this hope is in the person of the gospel. And there is no other basis on which our hope must be built. And in that context then you notice that this hope therefore is the source, the spring of faith, because it is the message that comes to us that shows us who we must believe in. It is the gospel that says how we must relate to one another and that gives us hope in loving each other. Obviously, the Apostle Paul's argument that if we must have hope, hope that is certain, hope that will bear fruit, hope that the Apostle Paul says in Romans does not disappoint, it's in the person. It's in the message. What is the gospel then? Simply this. Jesus Christ was born of a virgin. That's where we begin. Before eternity, we begin there. Jesus Christ was born of the virgin. Well, this one was born of a virgin, lived among us. He paid for our sins. He suffered for each and every one of us. He was crucified. He died and was buried and he rose again. He's coming back. But we begin in history as human beings. This hope was realized, broke into history when he was born. So with Paul, hope is objective. It is a conviction based on certain and reliable promises, acts and facts. The hope of the scriptures is a conviction based on certain and reliable promises, reliable acts and reliable facts. It is built on what is solid. It is not built on flimsy, sandy situations. It is concrete, and it is because it's based on concrete information, based on concrete packaged message, based and built in a person who for truly and really did come into this world. And his name, is Jesus Christ. And again, for those of us who came to uh, the meeting yesterday, that's partly one of the things that is emphasized. That this truth, the birth of Christ, continues even today to be a disputed fact. The only thing is that whoever disputes it cannot offset concrete, reliable evidence. Jesus Christ really did live. And because he did really live, he is a real being. The Son of God was born in our hope. It is kept for us in heaven, the basis of our faith and love for one another, who is Christ, the hope of glory. That must be our basis.
Hope is based on God's acts in the past. Jesus was born. This all points to the consummation of his work in Christ. Jesus Christ will return. Hope and biblical hope has time, history also in mind. It is a hope that says he was born. And the one who was born is coming. And in the interim, that which we hold on is hope. Discovered in discussing with people certain passages of scripture that we seem to be undecided. When you ask the question, will we need faith in heaven? Will we need hope in heaven? You kind of this oscillation. Almost like, no, in heaven we will need faith as well. In heaven we will also need hope. The Apostle Paul's view is completely different. We will need no faith in heaven. That which was faith to come and happen will have come. In heaven will not be saying, Jesus will come, he will be there. In heaven we will not need to have hope because the hope will have been realized. And this is part of the a trickery, I think it's of 1 Corinthians 13. Uh, when will these things cease and when they come, you have in the closing, but when these things have come, three things will remain. Hope, faith, and love. Well, in heaven, we will not need hope. In heaven, we will not need faith. Because this is in a time frame. Our hope is in the birth. Our hope is during the time of his birth and before he returns. Our hope is that he's coming to finish all this misery and is taking us home. Hope is based on God's acts in the past. And in the context of the birth, if truly Jesus was born, well then what God promised did come to pass implication, everything else he has promised will come to pass. He's proved himself faithful in history. He will prove himself faithful on the things he has promised. As such, this hope does not disappoint. As such, this hope does not disappoint. Beloved, if we do not want to be disappointed, there is only one we must hold on to. There is only one. History and life has taught us that human beings, no matter how well they intend, at some point, disappoint us. Politicians, even worse. Point us. This biblical hope, this biblical hope does not. God has promised to bring to pass things in your life and also for eternity. We can put our neck on the block and say to 
doubting Thomases. One day, one day, this will come to pass. Just watching ritual as happens on Facebook, stumble over this. I think it's an old posting of a young lady. I think it's Nigerian. And she was burning the Bible because she was saying the Bible is nothing. It's powerless. It's useless. I felt for her. I felt for her. It may look like that the Bible is of no use. God is losing. Oh, Paul wants us to know. He never loses. He never loses. So when people stand up and say, I don't believe in God, we must pity them and pray for them. Because one day, one day they will believe too late. Hope in the scriptures does not disappoint. This is what hope means generally in the writing of Paul. But what does he mean by the hope that is stored up for you? What does he mean by the hope that is stored up for you in verse 5? Well, in Colossians, the hope is the definite reality proclaimed in the gospel. In Colossians, the hope is the definite reality proclaimed in the gospel. Go to 22 and verse 23 of Colossians. Verse 22 and 23, beginning at verse 21. All I am stating that in the context of Colossae, or the book of the letter to the Colossians, hope is the definite reality proclaimed, announced, preached in this gospel. From verse 21 to 22. And you who once were alienated and hostile in mind, doing evil deeds, he has now reconciled in his body of flesh by his death in order to present you holy and blameless and above reproach before him. Indeed, you continue in the faith, stable and steadfast, not shifting from the hope. Not shifting from the hope of the gospel that you heard. In other words, that which the gospel has promised, that reality, Please look at verse 22 again. He has now reconciled in his body of flesh by his death. Why has he done this? In order to present you holy and blameless and above reproach before him, if indeed you continue in the faith, stable and steadfast, and steadfast, not shifting from the hope of the gospel that you heard. The gospel has promised something. What has the gospel promised? That there will be a time you will be in glory. There will be a time Christ will say, here is what I died for. Here are the people. I present them to you perfect and blameless. This is what the gospel has announced. This the gospel has announced by his reconciliation in his death. Therefore, hold on to this. Hold on to this. So that when the Apostle Paul says to have the hope that is stored for you, 
It is a hope of the definite reality of what the gospel promises. The gospel promises heaven. The gospel promises perfectness in heaven. The gospel promises no suffering in heaven. The gospel promises no hunger up home. The gospel promises no worries in heaven. The gospel promises no infirmities. The gospel has assured that this definite reality will come. We will come. It is that which the Christians are hoping the totality of blessing that awaits the Christian in the life to come. This hope has as its content that which was heard in the word of truth. You know the gospel, you will know hope. Without the gospel, there is no hope. This hope is the object that provides grounds for one's confidence in God's continuous acts in history. This is what it implies. When you meet people that are going through difficult times, maybe suffering continuously, X here and X there, pull of muscles here and there, they can't stand up quickly, they must steadily walk up slowly, blurred side and all kinds of body afflictions, all kinds of suffering. Oh, beloved, when we meet a Zambian that's complaining about the state of our country, the levels of corruption, hunger in the country, injustice in the country, that there is no hope. You, you go to the police, they're not doing the right thing. You go to the judges, they're not doing the right thing. You go to parliament, they're spending time on non-essentials. You probably even go to church, we focused on enriching ourselves. The hope you and I must provide is the hope of the gospel. It's the hope of the gospel. We have no better offer than the gospel. People that are scared of dying, we must not simply say to them, you'll be okay, or even bind death. We refuse. We must give them hope, even in the face of death. When things are not working, we need not invent some clever, you know, lofty ideas to sound complicated and complex. It's the simple gospel truth that gives hope. What is a struggling student needing? The assurance of the gospel. Yes, you may through these difficult issues, may have some unsaved lecturer, may have a system as we're hearing that if you've gone through this assuming it's true, there's students in Lusaka suing a lecturer because of this um, accused sexual harassment, 
And you may have the very institution itself sue you back. You might even lose the case. What is the source of hope that the world needs? The Apostle Paul, not only here but elsewhere, will have simply this, the gospel. The gospel truth. Well, if the gospel truth sounds a little bit subjective, he would be saying this, point them to Christ. Tell them there is somebody that understands. Tell them there is somebody who has power. This is the hope that causes us, even when we go through difficult times, that we can love one another even in tough times. We have a reason to believe that the things God has promised will come to pass. Beloved, I, I wrestle with this. Many times I ask my question, why don't we value the truth? Why don't we value the gospel? Why don't we value Christ presented in the Bible? Why are we looking for extras, as sources of hope? Why are we looking for something that will not provide that which we need? Why are we offering the world that which does not give hope, that which is not solid, that which is not reality? Why? Read the Apostle Paul. That's his passion. He has no magic ones. He has no magic words. He has no mystical solutions. He has Christ. That's what we must present to the world. Your children are a problem, giving you challenges. Beloved, the solution, show them Christ. How might again and again, they, they may not seem to appreciate it, but present Christ to them. It's the only hope for them to change their behavior. It's the only hope for them to stop stealing. Is the only hope for them to be response to stop being irresponsible. He is the only hope for them to turn out to be responsible children, to stop giving you headaches. The solution is Christ. It's not even so much that you beat them and pull their ears and ground them, though those may be done and they should be, but without Christ, it's a lost battle. It's a lost battle. Oh, may I even say this, beloved? Maybe your children are scared. But you are not, when you are not there, life will be terrible. They will be completely done. And so they don't want you to mention death. So when you say to them, you know one day I'll die, then they said you don't speak like that. Please tell them you will. But there is one who does not die. There is one who always be there, that even when you are not around, 
They can have hope. In fact, they must have hope even when you are alive beyond you. Must have hope in Christ. That's what the Apostle Paul in Colossians is calling us to. As we celebrate, we look forward to this day, uh, this historical event that has happened. Let's remember that the reason the gospel gives us hope is because Christ was born and is coming again. Abbas Epistle did ask us, please, this is a season when everybody's heart and mind is church inclined. Let them come. Invite them. They, they will do the other things, but let them come on the sun. The Sunday will have the evening service and more. Let them come on Christmas. Let them come and have hope. The implications of the phrase, the hope stored up for you in heaven, it provokes the question, by whom? And the answer is a straightforward one by God, stood up in heaven by God. For who? For us who have hope in Christ. The context of the Colossians fully say, you Colossians, you who are Christians, you saints, saved ones, you are the ones for whom this hope, the reality of the gospel is stored for. What does stored up emphasize? The security and certainty of this hope because God is the actor. This is stored, it won't be lost. It won't be lost. This hope is not yet realized, but it is kept safe by God Almighty. You know, in our time in this world, even banks are not reliable. Remember the story of Meridian BIO? And it was a thriving bank. One of my friends worked there, left, uh, I think at that point, left finance and joined Meridian Bank. Four months down the road, it folded. Bank of Credit and Commerce went. And now even insurance, I said to people, when there's insurance companies advertising their products, it, it sounds like as when you just insure and your vehicle is broken, you just go there, here is the money, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. The process, you're beginning to think, that I've been faithful in my giving what, now that I need it, what is this whole process? Not reliable. Not reliable. Paul in Colossians often emphasizes the realized aspects of God, the eschatological aspects. But in this verse, he makes it that this hope waits future consummation. This hope stored up in heaven will be revealed when Christ is revealed at the end of the times. What awaits the believer in heaven? The conviction that they have Christ in them, the hope of glory should, like it did with Paul, fill our hearts with great joy. 
Hope is the grand outlook, the glorious prospect beyond death that gives security and dignity, a serene calmness and a glorious energized Christian life. The thrust for this evening was simply this. That the birth of Christ, as we reflect on this event in history, let it revitalize our hope in the Savior of the world. It is hope in the gospel and hope in the person of the gospel. Please present this hope. Please have this hope. Please hold on to this hope. Even when things get the toughest, stand like Martin Luther and say, I will not recant, I shall not, because this is the only source of hope. Amen.